What up, world? And welcome back to another episode of Locked on Blazers. I am your past first point guard, Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. Hope everybody had a good Memorial Day weekend. I certainly did. That's why you haven't had a podcast in a few days, but I'm back, baby, because the NBA keeps rolling on with funny, goofy news. We'll start with the goofy news. Here in the first segment, then we'll talk a little bit about Blazers nuts and bolts that I may have missed at the end of last week and the early part of this week. And finally, we'll look ahead to the NBA Finals, which start Thursday evening. But before I do that, we got a couple sponsors this week. Lockdown Blazers is brought to you by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there. Do that. Get rewarded. Lockdown Blazers is also sponsored by Untuck It. If you're looking for a great Father's Day idea, their shirts are specifically designed to look great untucked. They feel comfortable at work or on the weekend. No tucking or tailoring required. Go to untuckit.com and use the promo code NBA to get 20% off. And finally, last but not least, today's show is also also brought to you by Grip 6 Belts. It's ultra lightweight with no holes and no flap, and it's a great Father's Day gift. And Grip 6 has a special offer for you. Go to grip6.com, that's G-R-I-P, the number 6.com, slash lock, L-O-C-K-E, to get the best price. All right, ads keep the light on at this place, so thanks for bearing with me, but you're here for hoops, so let's talk about something that's adjacent to hoops. That's right, it's the Lakers, and being totally off the rails at all times. Uh, Baxter Holmes of ESPN wrote a fantastic story today on ESPN.com that I recommend you check out about the Lakers and all their myriad dysfunction uh this includes things like magic johnson calling rob palenka a backstabber rob palenka constantly uh quoting the bible when talking about signing various players including contavious caldwell pope rob palenka making up a story about introducing kobe bryant to heath ledger who had been dead for some six months at the time of their alleged meeting and the general dysfunction of the lakers being run as a family business where Jeannie Buss listens to her friends and siblings and ex-fiance to guide many of her basketball decisions. And it's much of the reason why the Lakers are just an absolute mess. The story, which uh, great reporting, none of the like major figures from the Lakers commented, but there's a lot of background reporting from uh, former coaching staff members and uh, people who worked for the team that spoke anonymously. Highly recommend you check out. But the story also includes uh, details kind of about how LeBron James's agent, super agent Rich Paul, kind of just roams around the Lakers facility uh, in El Segundo with um, impunity, or at least with a little more freedom than you would see from the average agent. So what, you ask, does this have to do with the Blazers? Because this is ostensibly a Blazers podcast. What this story hammered home for me uh, after spending five plus years around the team on a very regular basis, the, the Blazers team that is, is that just being a functional franchise gives you such a leg up. Uh, I, I Some news I missed since, uh, in my, since the last podcast is that Blazers president of basketball operations, Neil Olshay, agreed to a, contact, a contract extension that will keep him as the head of the Blazers basketball operations staff until the year 2024. Neil has been around since 2012. This would be more than if he 
assuming he works the length of his contract, will have spent more than a decade in charge of this team, building this franchise, molding it, making draft picks, making trades, and all those things. All those things, including drafting Damian Lillard, which uh, I don't know if Neil gets credit for, that that kind of workout and pick happened just as he was getting in town, but certainly it's um, someone he stuck with, even if the previous regime had identified him. It's hiring Terry Stotts. It's finding C.J. McCollum and making uh, trading for Yusuf Nurkic, and, and basically, you know, at this point, his fingerprints are at literally every single player on the roster. They're Neil's guys. But you contrast that with the Lakers, where they're running through head coaches. Uh, also in that story is a lot about how undermined uh, Luke Walton felt with having uh, either Rob Palinka sit in on coaches' meetings and things like that, or having Rich Paul hang around the, the facility. One thing you don't ever see in Blazer land is Neil Olshay in the locker room. He's not like hanging out in Terry Sotts' office when the, ga- when the games end. Uh, if you see him in the back, he's standing outside of Sotts' office. He's greeting players as they walk in the door. Uh, it's kind of like the way the Blazers works is there's like double doors. You walk in, Terry's office is the first door on the left, and then you go down the hall maybe 15 feet, and then you can enter another set of double doors to get to the Blazers' big locker room. You don't see Neil in the locker room. You don't see him go through those second set of double doors. I've seen him there once ever, and he was walking through pregame uh, because I think he had to walk from the offices to use the bathroom in the back. That's it. You'd never see him in Terry's office. The the handful of times I went in there this season, and the and the plenty of times I've been I've you know peeped my head in the past postgame. It's not like Neil's sitting in there telling him anything. It's that kind of just separation of powers that makes an NBA team functional. It's it's very different from what goes on in in Lakerland. And I, I, I don't say this to sort of compare the Blazers to one of like the crappiest one teams in the NBA, but I will say this, it's striking when uh, people criticize sort of the Blazers as, as like the have-nots in the league and compare them to the large markets. Um, the two largest markets in the league, the New York Knicks and the Los Angeles Lakers, are, are barely functional. And the Blazers' real leg up is that they have some some continuity some and, and functionality. It's a serious advantage. Even in, after Paul Allen has passed away, uh, and this is another thing from the Lakers' story, is that it, it's unclear, you know, who makes decisions. Jeannie Buss isn't publicly around and, and, and speaking at press conferences and stuff after Magic Johnson uh resigned unexpectedly or after Luke Walton was fired you know she doesn't she's not there publicly um but it's unclear who's kind of making some of the decisions is it Linda Rambis the wife of Kurt of Kurt Rambis and and good friend of Jeannie Buss uh was Magic Johnson sort of unilaterally making those decisions you don't see that in the Blazer world kind of the way they they have things set up is that Neil reports directly to Jody Allen uh on the business side of things Chris McGowan is I think I believe deals directly with Burt Cold, who's the head of Vulcan Inc. or the chairman of Vulcan Inc. Like th- things are clearly delineated and set up. Uh, in, in terms of the LeBron James stuff in the superstar world, I think this is interesting and and, and worth uh, considering. Much like um, the the way it is for LeBron, the perception of it as it is uh, from the outside at least is that everything in Lakerland runs through him. I think that's um that's pretty clear. That, that that is the case. It's not too dissimilar in Portland. Damian Lord gets his hands on a lot of the decisions. Before personnel decisions are made, they're run by him. I don't think they ask him for a list of 
eight, who are the eight free agents that we should pursue this offseason. But when they get down to making some decisions, they say, how would you feel about Ennis Cantor signing with the team, Dame? Uh, when in the summer of 2016, perhaps the time that people are most critical of Neil Olshay, and probably rightly so, I'll even take the probably out, rightly so, Damian Lillard wasn't, you know, telling the team he really wanted to bring Mo Harkless back. Uh, the Goodwins, Aaron and Eric Goodwin, who are, are Damian Lillard's agents, they're uh, very often at games and in the back, but they're certainly not in the locker room. They're not at the practice facility on practice days. They're not uh, roaming around with impunity back there. They are doing what any of the agents can do, which is walk in the private areas and talk to their guys. I think, rightly so and fairly, the Blazers have been criticized for maybe not taking a big swing and relying on their continuity. I think that's I think that's fair, and I think even the results of this season aside, you could say that the Blazers, uh, you know, maybe should have should have taken some bigger swings over the last two years. I think if you feel that way, I, I can't really criticize you. But when you look to the reporting in this story, and you see the alternative, it really makes you appreciate how well-run and how professional and how just sort of continuity and those type of things have paid off for the Blazers. It could be a lot worse. It could be the Lakers. Second segment, I want to talk a little bit about a handful of news things that I missed uh, in, the, in, in my couple days off since we last recorded. But if you're looking for this podcast in the future, be sure to download the new Himalaya podcast app. They've got curated playlists, so you can organize either all the episodes from a certain podcast or episodes from separate podcasts, and they're easily shareable. It's free, it's super easy to use, and every podcast you're looking for is on the new Himalaya app. So download it now on Google Play or on the App Store, and be sure, while you're there, subscribe to Lockdown Blazers. Of course, we're also everywhere else you get podcasts, so check us out, tell your friends. All right, welcome back. So we talked about that uh, great Lakers story, that great reporting from Baxter Holmes in the first segment. Now let's just talk about some nuts and bolts. The news! All-NBA teams were released. Damian Lillard, a second-team All-NBA selection. Uh, what that means... You know, in terms of, is it meaningful? He is officially eligible for the Supermax. So look for it in the wee hours of July 1st. Actually, they moved up the the deadline. So on the West Coast, it'll be like uh, 3 p.m. or whatever. But look for it. 3 p.m. on June 30th. Damian Lillard signing a $191 million contract to stay with the Blazers. Add four years onto his current deal. Stay with the Blazers through the 2024 season. I think the All-NBA teams mostly got it right. I think the big one that, the sort of the big two that you would have problems with is Russell Westbrook making it. I don't have an issue with that. I think Russell Westbrook was one of the very good players in the league this year, even if his style grades on people, and if even if he was cost his team some wins in the playoffs with his style. I think he was still one of the six best guards in the league this year. If you disagree, that's fine. I think that last guard spot is the tricky one, and the last guard spot has some serious implications for the league at large and thus the Trailblazers. 
Klay Thompson did not make an All-NBA team, so he is not eligible for the Supermax. I think the the Warriors were going to max out Klay this summer regardless. I think that's the direction it's heading. It would have been really curious to see if he was eligible for $200 million if they would as quickly do it, uh, considering what their future tax bills will look like. Uh, I think Golden State is ready to pay whatever it takes, uh, but I think adding a whole bunch more money onto Clay Thompson would have at least made them uh, have to consider some tough decisions. It also means Brad Beal's not eligible for a Supermax. I would assume Washington would do that, although they don't have a GM yet, so maybe their GM gets in there and tears things down. It's unclear, but having Beal eligible for the Supermax and then choosing not to give it to him, it also signals interesting things. Rudy Gobert made an All-NBA team. I have been on the record, not on this podcast, but on uh, previous podcasts. My friend Chuck listeners will remember. I'm a, I'm a Rudy Gobert supporter. Uh, I don't think he was as good as he has been in the past this year, but he's still certainly one of the better centers in the league. He's eligible for a $243 million Supermax. That's probably too much money for Rudy Gobert. Kemba Walker, who made that uh, that final uh, spot in the third-team All-NBA, also eligible for the Supermax. Seems like maybe it's maybe it allows the Hornets to not give him that money and him to walk away. Works out for both parties. But all of this to say, all this Supermax discussion is to say, the designated veteran extension, if you want to use the technical term, is that I think it's weird that media members have such control over these dudes' futures and thus the finances of the league. I think it is strange. I don't have a good solution. I guess my solution would be get rid of, don't stop tying the designated veterans extension to all NBA teams. Because I don't think letting players vote or letting coaches vote makes it, uh, it, it still makes for dicey situations with, um, you know, who curries favor with certain players to, you know, what, whether coaches sort of collude and do type things to prevent people from getting money and all those stuff. Anything where the, where the awards determine the, the money seems messy, but particularly media members voting on player salaries seems super strange. I don't think it's a good, I don't think it's a good look for the league. If you have a good solution, tweet at me at Mike G. Rich. Other NBA news, other Blazer news. So you know, Dame's getting that money. Book it. <laughs> that, that 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 was already set in stone, and now it's official, official, official. Uh, other NBA news: the things I didn't touch on uh, from exit interviews and just from what I've heard is Yusuf Nurkic. While they won't give a timeline on him, is at least on track with his uh, with his recovery. Uh, and, and for me, you know, we kind of knew he was on track. He's walking around um, without a, a, a visible brace. I, I believe he was wearing in the playoffs a, a, a brace under his suit uh, from the one time that I got up close to him and spoke to him. Uh, but he's not wearing a big vis- visible brace. He's not walking with a cane. He's not walking with a big noticeable limp. He's just a guy who suffered compound fracture in his leg and seems to be moving around okay. Pretty impressive. But he's on track. And most importantly for me, uh, he's staying in Portland, at least for the beginning of the summer. 
And to me, that's a big commitment for a variety of reasons. One, he's around the team doctors and can and deal with the team trainers and continue his rehab here with a physical therapist and whoever else is on his medical crew. Uh, you know, Jess Ellis, the Blazers director of player health, he can be there too to kind of keep him on, the, keep him going, keep him monitor his everyday pace with the same doctors who've been doing it. Don't have to fly those dudes to Bosnia to keep that up. He can just, you know, leave his home in Lake Oswego and go to the practice facility and they can take care of it. That's a big deal. It also shows this sort of commitment to the team. I think it's significant when any NBA player decides to stay in Portland. Um, it's just significant because Dame stays in Portland all summer and it means that Yusuf Nurkic wants to hang around and work out with Damian Lillard. Franchise guys aligning. That's a big deal. We probably won't ever get an update on Nurk's progress until right around the season when we still won't get an update on Nurk's progress. But it's interesting to note that he is here in the city continuing the rehab process, or at least continuing whatever his rehab process may be. The Blazers are not going to give us details. That is the luxury of it being the offseason. They wouldn't really give us details during the season either, so this just means that we won't see, you know, reporters won't see him around the facility. That's the biggest difference. What's next for the Blazers summer? This is a future giant podcast that I'll do. It's probably a series of podcasts what I'll do. But the Blazers have some decisions to make. Al Farouk Aminu's free agency. Jake Lehman's free agency. Uh, Seth Curry, Ennis Cantor, Rodney Hood. Of course, right now they're a tax-paying team. I think they would like to at least briefly get below the tax line to change... Uh, right now they have the taxpayer mid-level ex- exception, which is about $5.5 million. If they get below the tax line, they can use the full mid-level, which is about close to closer to $9 million. That might be the difference in enticing a valuable wing to stay or sign on versus bargain shopping. But like I said, I will address all that in a much larger pod. I just want to give you, those are the news and notes that I've missed. When we get back for the third segment, I want to talk about the NBA Finals. What Blazer fans should be watching for. What are the storylines that could potentially affect Portland and the rest of the Western Conference, the rest of the NBA, that, as they play out in the Finals. So stick with me. We'll talk about that when we get back. All right, welcome back. Still locked on Blazer, still Mike Richmond. So the NBA Finals start tonight. Uh, in case you haven't been paying attention and you're somehow listening to this podcast... The Golden State Warriors are going to play the Toronto Raptors. Should be an interesting series. Um, If you've been listening to this podcast, you know that I think the Warriors are just inevitably marching towards a championship, pretty much regardless of who's healthy. But uh, I think there's some interesting storylines that have some Blazers implications in this series. Uh, The obvious ones, and and I do think it's kind of gross the way we talk about uh, every NBA team is... Or, or, or sort of the obsession with NBA teams even while the games are going on. It's like, what's going to happen in free agency? Who's going to leave? I think that is kind of like a just a kind of a culture suck of the way the, the NBA is discussed. But it's also the most interesting storylines, in, to, to, at least to some extent, in this series. Uh, if the Warriors can... Because we don't know about Kevin Durant's availability. He's certainly not going to play in the first two games of the series, but he could be available later. Uh, and if the Warriors are in trouble, I imagine the Durant will be w- willing to risk it because he's going to get a max contract from whoever he wants to in, in free agency. So he's not there's not a health concern necessarily the way it would be for other players. 
But if the Warriors win without Kevin Durant, it might push him more towards leaving. And if he leaves, particularly if he heads to an Eastern Conference team and not joining one of the Western Conference foes, teams that are going to have salary caps based this summer, like the both teams in Los Angeles, for instance, it certainly makes the Blazers' path easier. So that's something to consider. Uh, the other obvious big one in terms of free agency is what is Kawhi going to do? If, if the Raptors win... Well, I think that's unlikely, but if the Raptors do find a way to win this series, does that mean Kawhi's more likely to stay in Toronto? You would have to think yes. You know, I'm not around that team. I've, I would, I spent whatever an, an hour around the Raptors when they were in Portland all all season long. That's my, that's my sort of introduction to them. But you know, I they're a team I've I've followed and watched closely. One of my favorite league pass teams. And obviously, if they win the championship, Kawhi. It, it follows that Kawhi would be much more likely to stay there. It might follow that they've done enough this year to prove that this is his best, best path to the finals, best path to stardom, whatever, whatever. Uh, it's kind of unclear what he's after. But there's a chance that this run or perhaps uh, a Pushing the Warriors in the finals makes Kawhi more likely to stay in the Eastern Conference, more likely to stay in Toronto. I think that's a positive for the Blazers. So those are the sort of two obvious big-name free agent storylines to follow. How this series plays out and how it might affect two of the best five players in the NBA and their decisions where they play next year. Obviously, there's a ton of speculation that Kevin Durant is going to the Knicks or whatever. Not even or whatever. There's a ton of speculation that Kevin Durant's going to the Knicks. Perhaps it's already set in stone. But certainly if the Warriors were to have a lot of success without him being available, that might push him towards an exit. It's unclear what the super online superstar of this generation really wants and where he can find joy. And perhaps he needs to change the scenery. Perhaps that's already done. Perhaps the outcome of this series helps push him one way or another. Obviously, I talked a lot in the first uh, section about supermaxes and and the Warriors not having not having to offer Clay that you know two hundred million dollar contract. I don't think financials is a big a big deal for the Golden State leadership, uh, but certainly not having to play Kawhi or not having to play Clay as much makes it easier to pay Kevin Durant. I also think. It being Kevin Durant makes it easier to pay Kevin Durant. So I think that's curious. Obviously, the, the Raptors can do anything they can to keep Kawhi. They're going to give him as much money as they possibly can. The thing is, so is every many other suitors out there. Certainly, there's a ton of speculation that the Clippers are going to make a hard push at Kawhi. And depending on what happens in this series, maybe he comes to the West and makes things harder for the Trailblazers. Makes the path more difficult, adding a top five player to their to their path to a championship. But beyond that, I, like I said, I think it's kind of gross that that's the way we think about these series is how it's going to impact free agency. It's also just the nature of the business that for the last 15 years, the, the NBA has been building towards this, shortening contracts, giving players more power. It's the, in the player empowerment era, but also it's just sort of like the way from, from 10-year contracts to reducing it to a 7-year contract. Now, the longest contract you can sign is 5, but the longest contract you can sign as a free agent is 4. There's just a natural move towards more player movement. 
This is the way the league wanted it. It's the way the CBA was collectively bargained to get us to this point. And so while I might, from my recording studio, might find this a little bit of a lame way to consider the league, it's absolutely at the forefront of the narrative of these finals. But beyond that, the Blazers played the Warriors tough. They also got swept. I saw something on Twitter last week that said this is it was one of the closest sweeps in NBA history. <laughs> to me, that's meaningless. But I also think that there is something uh, there is there is some truth to the fact that the Blazers were up, you know, you know, seventeen at least in in each of the last three games and didn't find a way to close. I think what for me, what I'll be watching during this NBA Finals and what I encourage you to watch instead of obsessing over free agency is. Do the Raptors offer a clear blueprint of what is needed? What type of personnel is needed to beat the Warriors? Even if Kevin Durant leaves, the Warriors are still going to be a class at the NBA, assuming that Klay Thompson is back. The Blazers' path to the NBA Finals still goes through Golden State, almost assuredly. And obviously, it's a long, winding road. They didn't. It, it's, it's a tough thing to assume that they'll get another crack at these Warriors. But if they're going to be a team that makes the NBA Finals, you assume that they're going to have to beat the Warriors in a playoff series at some point. And I think looking at the Raptors' personnel, they have a traditional center, Marcus Gasol, much like Yusuf Nurkic. Um, but, the, but they also have sort of other parts that the Blazers don't necessarily have. Kyle Lowry, for as much as he gets um, hated on for shooting a ton of bricks in the playoffs, he has a real heady sort of... Uh, heady, gritty game that I don't think the Blazers have in a backcourt player now. Pascal Siakam's versatility as a defender and size and length, I'm not sure the Blazers have. You know, they have a facsimile of him in, in, in Alfredo Camino, but he's not anywhere near the player that Pascal Siakam is. And if Marcus Gasol can be a force against this Warriors team, if he can be an impactful defender and offensive player against this Warriors team, it gives you an idea, at least to some extent, of what a Yusuf Nurkic could do against the Warriors should the Blazers meet this team in the playoffs again. Then you know, obviously you have all the, the little role players for the Raptors. What can uh, little role players? That's kind of rude, but you have all the Ra- you have the role players: the Raptors, Fred Van Vliet, Norman Powell, Serge Ibaka. Alfred Camino is probably closer to, to Serge Ibaka than he is to Pascal Siakam if we're making comparisons. But how those players fit in, and maybe we can learn, maybe Rip City, the the municipality, can learn kind of what the Blazers need in order to, to challenge the Warriors by watching the Raptors do it. Uh, why I say this is because the biggest challenge to the Warriors over the last two seasons has been the Rockets, but I don't think you can recreate what the Rockets do as easily. And I certainly don't think you can recreate any team with LeBron James, LeBron James Cavs. It's really hard to, to, to sort of add those parts, but the Raptors have like a, you know, Kawhi, I don't think you're going to add a Kawhi, but, but the, the sort of types of role players and who can be effective against Golden State, I think, I think Blazers fans can, can learn sort of, or at least deduce 
what the team needs to add, how what they need to shape themselves like if they're going to challenge the Warriors. And to me, that's more interesting than free agency. If free, if free agency is more interesting to you, that's why I covered it in the top of the segment. I appreciate you guys listening. Remember, you can get this podcast on the new Himalaya app. It's free to download. It's got customizable playlists and a bunch of other new features that make it easy to share and easy to use. It also features all your favorite podcasts, including Locked On Blazers. So download it now, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and make sure you subscribe to Locked On Blazers while you're there. As I said at the top of the show, this episode was brought to you by Hotels.com, Untuck It, and Grip Six Belts. Tell your friends about Lockdown Blazers. We got more coming all summer, all off season. As I alluded to in the second segment, we got a long off season for your Portland Trail Blazers. A lot of stuff to talk about. Talk to you guys soon. Thanks for listening.